So one of my friends is an exorcist, but there's a day job for you. And he deals with demons for a living. You know, not, not the Halloween costume kind of demon or the cute little cartoon demon with a little curly tail and a pitchfork, right? No, no, actual malicious spiritual beings that want to destroy you and want to destroy mankind. Why? Because you're made in the image and likeness of God and they hate God. They hate God and you look like God. And anything that looks like God, a demon wants to destroy. Now, some people are hearing me right now thinking, ah, you're crazy, man. I don't believe in demons. I believe in angels. I don't believe in demons. That'd be the kind of like saying, I believe that there's good people, but not bad people. Demons are just angels, good spiritual beings that have fallen and become malicious, twisted, narcissistic, evil beings that, that want to destroy everything. And I think one of the devil's greatest tricks is convincing people that he doesn't exist. Because if you're not aware that he exists, then you're not aware of the spiritual aspects of, of the spiritual battles that you go through in everyday life. And you're a sitting duck. Uh, so I got to sit down with this exorcist friend of mine and talk about fear. Now, there's a reality of fear today. I think people are more afraid than we've ever been. And some of that could be for, hey, Chris, look at the news. There's maybe some good reasons that we should be more afraid than we've ever been. Sure. But there's also a spiritual element to fear, a spiritual warfare element to fear that spirits of darkness use and leverage human fear to destroy us, to take away our potential, to scare us away from following God, to ruin relationships to exacerbate divisions between human beings, make us afraid of each other so that mankind is, is ever more divided. So I had to talk to him about the spiritual reality that accompanies fear and how to respond to that so that we don't live half the life that God created us for. Guys, when you live a life dominated by fear, you are not living the life Jesus came to give you and dreams of you living when he said, I've come so they might have life and have it to the full. John 10, 10, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. So I talk about how to push back on that fear. The interview I'm going to share with you today is part of, of a whole series of interviews and conversations called our Fearless Program. If you want the whole thing, which has the interview with Father Ripperger, my exorcist friend, interview with Dom Rosso, a Navy SEAL that talks about the psychology of fear and how to overcome fear and, and dive into battle, whether it was a battle as, as a SEAL or the battles of everyday life. Uh, I, I talk about all these different aspects of fear and how to, how to not live under the dominion of fear. Go to reallifecatholic.com forward slash fearless to get the whole program to sign up for that. It's free. At least right now it is, right? Uh, and if you're a missionary of joy, it'll be free forever. Uh, also, you can just go to reallifecatholic.com and look at our courses and you'll see Fearless on there. Uh, and thank you for our missionaries of joy. Speaking of, of you, you are the ones that make these courses and all the things that we do possible. God bless you. So be sure to like, subscribe, share this, because this is kind of topic that, you know, I, I wish that every time I talked about God that went viral, <laughs> I, jo I joked with Father Ripperger that, you know, you talk about the devil and everybody wants to see that, right? Uh, but we put all this stuff in the proper perspective. It's, it's not just talking about this because of a fascination with evil, because this is a part of life that we have to actually learn how to deal with. And it's not as complicated as we might think sometimes. With that, enjoy this episode. God bless you. From Ephesians chapter 6, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. 
Guys, this whole battle against fear is not just about your, your psychology and it's not just about the state of the world. This is a profoundly personal battle with the evil one who wants to see you in bondage. He wants to see you enslaved to fear. So winning that battle with fear with the help of the Lord is, is winning a battle against the devil. And I can think of no better person to talk about this with than uh, a dear friend and exorcist, Father Chad Ripperger. Thanks Good so much for, for coming, brother. Oh, I appreciate you. Uh, Father Chad, I, I jokingly say he's a, he's a real life ghostbuster. Um, but he, <laughs> but he, he, you know, Dom was talking before, Dom had a scary job as a Navy SEAL. Um, Father Chad has a scary job on, on like kind of a next level kind of way, all right? This is the stuff of, uh, of horror movies and nightmares for kids. Um, and I think the devil wants, likes to manipulate people into fear. So he's got a lot to say about, about what fear is, why the devil likes to make people afraid, and why it's so important to overcome it and how to overcome it. But first, how do you define fear? Um, well, I tend to uh, follow St. Thomas Aquinas' definition. He says, fear is the emotion that we have when we perceive a future evil which cannot be overcome. So it's something which is coming down the pike, we're gonna get hurt by it more than likely, and so arises this emotion which um, deals with the, uh, he says primarily it deals with the sorrow or the pain of seeing this future evil that's coming. So it, it primarily has to do with something we can't overcome and we're gonna suffer under. Okay, so, so and it, there can be a good in it in that it can make you avoid certain things that could hurt right. you, yeah. right? Um, the devil obviously likes to manipulate this. Now, I, I'm not, I don't, I don't, we're not gonna get into details that some of you might wanna hear of extraordinary phenomena that happen <laughs> and exorcisms. Uh, and if we did that, this video would go viral and blow up, but we're not gonna uh, go there. Because I, I think the devil would like that because oh, yeah. he loves attention, right? Absolutely. Uh, but is, is, is the main reason that extraordinary phenomena happens during exorcism, is it because the devil's a narcissist and wants attention or is it because he wants to make you afraid? There's, there's both, actually, and a, a, even a third. There are times, in, especially in the beginning of cases of possession, when you're doing initial diagnostics, Christ will force the demons to do something that's extraordinary so that you know you're actually dealing with something that is diabolic rather than something that's just human. And so this is one of the ways that you actually, the church uses those things to discern something that's preternatural. Um, but a lot of times they'll actually do things to, uh, to try and scare you. A lot of, there's also they threaten you, of course. Um, but usually you'll start to see... They threaten to hurt you physically? Oh yeah, they threaten your, your life and everything. And the thing that, uh, um, as an exorcist, you always remember is that they're on a very short leash, so they can only do whatever Christ permits. And so um, you know that most of the time they're just blowing smoke, so to speak. They're just trying to psych you out because it is in the in the exorcism. It's it's a it's a bit of a boxing ring, as I've mentioned before. And so there's a certain kind of psychology that you're trying to get over on your opponent, right? Yeah. And so they're trying to do that. But one of the times we tend to see it. Um, so a lot. Of, so it is to try and instill fear especially in the, on the side of the exorcist or on the side of the person who's possessed, but on the side of the exorcist, they're trying to, uh, to try and psych you out. You'll see this primarily, there's six stages of liberation, but in stage four, the stage three is the, the bulk of the battle phase where you spend a lot of the time doing the exorcisms, but they, as you start getting towards the end of stage three, they start to lose control over the internal aspects of the possession, and so they move to the external stuff. So like, if you ever see like the movie of The Exorcism of Emily Rose, you'll see those things that are moving around, things like that. 
those, that's not too common, but you actually see that. So they move things externally, and those are to distract you, but also to instill fear, to bluff you to think that he actually has more power than he does. Uh, by the way, I hope you're taking notes, because he says a lot of really profound things really fast <laughs> that you should think about later. All right, uh, the, de the devil's on a short leash. leash. Yeah. So he's only doing things that Christ permits. Yes, that's right. And he only permits things out of love for us and for his greater glory. That's right. Which has got to be humiliating for the devil. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it frustrates him tremendously. He's serving God whether he likes it or not. That's right. He is, he is Christ's instrument. Um, demons will openly admit that they are the slaves of Christ. And it's interesting because in the end, everybody's a slave. Because he ultimately he created us, he keeps us in existence. In a certain sense, he owns us in that sense. And so the only question is, are you going to do it willingly or unwillingly? Well, they've chosen unwillingly. But they still know that they have to do everything he says. So it's all still part of the plan. It's all still part of the plan. Yes. Praise God. Like Lord of the Rings, in the, in the, it, it, right? In the Silmarillion, uh, the, the evil angel. I'm, I'm talking to the super nerds here right now. <laughs> <laughs> tried to make his own song, and instead of crushing him, the creator widened the symphony to include his notes. That's, that's real power. That yeah. is awesome. Okay, so has it ever worked on you? Have you ever been afraid during an exorcism? Has he ever successfully freaked you out? Uh, not him directly. The only thing that's ever um, caused any fear other than the first time I did it, you're, you're, you're in the driver's seat for the first time. So it's, it's, uh, it's, I'm also a pilot. So the first time I flew an airplane by myself, you're just kind of like, there's a little bit of fear because it's the first time you've ever done it type yeah, of thing yeah. alone. Well, it's the same thing here. So the first time you do it, there's a bit of fear in that regard. I hope you just don't do anything really stupid is what you're thinking to yourself. But the only other time it was... That would be my last fear if I were doing an exorcism. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I already knew. I already knew they were on a short lease, so they can only do what Christ yeah. permits. I just, I just didn't want to do anything that, you know, would cause the person harm or whatever the case is. But, so, but the only other time was uh, there was an instance where um, the demon wouldn't comply, so I mentally said to God the Father, um, you know, punish him in a way that he's never been punished before. And so um, at that point, it was a woman who was possessed. She went down and, uh, onto the ground. Um, we, we call it morphing. She changed into the shape of a man. It looked like a man, but it was actually the full manifestation of what this demon actually looked like. And he screamed, and, um, but it wasn't very loud, but it literally shook the church physically. And that wasn't what scared me. What scared me was is that looking in his face, I could see the severity of God's justice, and that's what caused fear. So I'm like, like ooh, that's pretty serious business, right? So, which is why I always don't tell, fear the one who could hurt the body. Fear the one who could, it, right? Yeah, this exactly. is replacing one fear with a, a holy fear. That's right, exactly. A rightly ordered fear, which is why I tell people, you know, you never have to worry about, you know, forgiving somebody because sometimes people, well, I don't want to forgive somebody because then um, I'm letting them off the hook. There is no, there is no punishment that we could ever mete out as human beings that compares to the suffering that you see that these demons go through in hell, right? So wow. God God will take care of it, don't worry about it. That keeps you in the straight and narrow. Right there. Keeps me in the straight and narrow. So that's the only time I've ever, uh, I've ever, it doesn't mean from time to time they don't try and attack me to try and instill the fear, but immediately I recognize this is an attack and uh, I just beat them up, so to speak, and that usually ends, it ends pretty quick. How does one beat up the devil? <laughs> uh, saying prayers. The other thing is too, is especially if it's connected to a particular case, very early on I'll find out what the demons are actually attached to. 
And I start chiseling away at their attachments or any influence they have over those areas of people's lives. Wow. And so very often they'll back off because they don't want to lose those things that they're attached to. Wow. So why does the devil like fear? Why does he try to make you afraid? Why does he try to make all of us afraid? Um, I think there's two, two reasons. One is because through fear you can easily manipulate people. You just have to give them a particular perception, suggest something in their mind, and give them that perception, and then they're most likely to uh, to follow what you're suggesting, right? Um, part of it also has to do with, uh, um, in my own personal experience in dealing with Beelzebub, which is another name for Satan, um, for the longest time, uh, I always knew that he was a demon of fear. Um, in fact, he's he's technically speaking- That's a the, special tool of his? Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because you find um, he's also the demon of impurity. I mean, there's other demons of impurity, but he's the demon of impurity. And what I started noticing is in some of the um, people that would come that were dealing with impurity from a diabolic cause is that there was always this fear element. And one of the aspects of it was is that they would suggest something very subtly and then the person would kind of start paying attention to that and then they would twist it to something that was impure. And then a person of sensitive conscience is going to retract in fear. Oh, I could fall here. And that was the hook. And so as long as he drove the fear and as long as the person had that fear of falling, then he could drive the person even to the point where they actually ended up committing the impurity, ironically. But so the, for the longest time, I knew he was a demon of fear, but it wasn't... Um, it wasn't until uh, Ashley had dealt with him in, in a case that was somewhat protracted that I discovered that he, um, as a demon of fear, is because he himself lives in constant fear. And the reason being is, is because God sets him up to take a shellacking. And so a lot of times, he even said God sets him up to get humiliated. So he's, he has to do this. He says he's exhausted all the time because he's in this constant hypervigilance of trying to keep track of everything that's going on and watching his flank, but he can't watch everything. And so he never knows when he's going to get broadsided. So he, by God, by, um, you know, God punishing him. And so he, he literally lives in constant fear. So he just wants to replicate his own psychology in us. And fear, whenever... That's profound right there, too. Yeah. Demons don't just want us to think what they think, but as they think. As they think. Part with of ingratitude, is, with, with, uh, with lack of trust, with, with fear. Fear, with all of it. yeah. And he's, the other part of it is, too, is, is that when we're dealing with this perception of a future evil, which we can't overcome, it's painful emotionally, psychologically. And that's what he's living under, and he wants us to... Misery loves company. He wants us to suffer that as well. It's profound stuff, isn't it? Like, man. Uh, and I, I can see this in it. when you said the fear and impurity. I'm thinking like, that, those are the two things that are summing up society right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, they're completely yeah. connected. There's this self-coddling that expresses itself bodily in impurity. That's right. And a constant fear that goes along with that of like, don't, don't hurt that which I'm coddling all the time. And, right. Ooh. Which is very interesting because basically most of the time what that means is on a concrete level, practically going forward, you tell that, like, for instance, the guys that are struggling with chastity, I always tell them, you conquer the fear. You work on fortitude, hope, things of that sort, and you'll find, and confidence in God, and you'll find that the impurity will evaporate on its own most of the time. Yeah, how many different things that I wouldn't, I, I, I never thought of that before, but when you, when you see the enemy, yeah. It helps you figure out what you're fighting with, right? That's right. How many things are toppled when you lean into courage and, and develop fortitude, right. when you develop courage? Yeah. You conquer lust. Are there a lot of other things that you see an immediate connection to? 
Uh, yeah, there's two ways that I see it. One is just um, knowing that they, they do diversionary tactics. They'll spend all their time getting you distracted over here so they, they, they drive people's impurity. Meanwhile, they're slowly taking the person down through fear. They're crushing them so they don't pursue greatness in life or things like that or don't do the things they might do because out of fear. And people don't notice that as much. And in their spiritual life, they're noticing this. They, what they think is the, the problem in their life, which is this impurity, when point in fact, it's this other part. So a lot of times, if you just know the psychologist, if you know psych human psychology well, you can see how one things are connected to another. But the other way that I'll often um, find out what the connections are is St. Thomas used to have what they called the daughters of vices. And is if you have, a, like if you have avarice, one of the effects of avarice is meanness or cruelty which we kind of see with people who become yeah. very wealthy, oh, yeah. right? And so if you know what the various daughters are of the vices, then a lot of times if you see one of the daughters, you can trace it back to he's really this kind of a demon. Wow. And you can see the, the, the connectedness of, of fear to so many other vices and destruction right. on a societal level. That's right. Um, you know, we've been talking a lot about the, on the personal level. How do you see the, the, the threat of what fear is bringing to the world? Uh, with the connection of fear and uh, and anger. There's this clearly a growing anger and murderous spirit, really, you see, is, yeah. where it's, uh, you know, sometimes it's a mental illness, but I'm also seeing behind the news some, some guy, some people in Canada just stabbed 10 people to death the other day for fun. Yeah. It's like, what what is going on here? Um, but there's a, a societal level, I think fear is turning us against each other. Spell out the connections there between the fear the and the and the the anger that seems to be dividing. Why does fear lead to anger? Well, eventually, it, well, it has to do with this, the perception of, um, of this evil, future evil that you can't overcome. As you start to actually think about it on a regular basis, then the actual evil becomes quasi-present all the time because you're constantly thinking about it. St. Thomas says in relationship to that, he says from that arises anxiety because he defines anxiety as, um, depression as a result of chronic fear. Mm. But you can also, uh, anger can also arise out of that because anger he defines as a perception of evil or a perception of injury with a desire for vindication. And so what happens perception is- Perception of injury with a desire, desire for, for vindication. Vindic so if you're constantly dealing with the, e the perceived evil that could be coming your way from some human agency or what happened, eventually you become bitter or angry in relationship to them because you're, you're dealing with this, this in, what you can perceive as an injury from the future evil that you just can't get away from. And the funny thing is we, we, obs we obsess and we're constantly <coughs> dealing with things that we're not actually supposed to constantly deal with. That's right. Like we, we, we focus on news cycles it right. seems like the news cycles want us to. That's right. I think so. Yeah. And the politicians want us to to, yeah. to 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 come to see the other as threat because that's clickbait and because it gets party loyalty uh, right. to, to a degree that's that's religious devotion to a political party. Right. Um, and and I, I could see these things happening in the world. Right. And you know, I, I I've thought about this often. People will see these threads of evil and and say, okay, well then there's a shadow government. But I'm seeing the threat of evil and saying, well no, there's a devil. Right. There seems to be an intelligent plan behind all this. Right. Duh. <laughs> you know, right? right? Uh, but, but to what degree is there uh, a willful cooperation, do you think, uh, with people uh, orchestrating these evils in the world? I mean, you, you, I, I think a lot of us live with a kind of an ignorance of how much humans can give themselves over to this stuff and have it oppress everyone. Yeah, I, I, it, to answer your question, honestly, it's really hard to know the degree 
I mean, we do, they're, 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 we do know, for example, that there are people who probably are of generally goodwill who kind of get sucked into it and think this is a good idea. And so they're not so much malicious as they are um, just not too bright, you know, and that yeah. type of thing. And so they kind of go along with it and they kind of become the instruments and tools. But then I think there's other people who are um, nefarious and they actually know what they're doing is evil and they're doing it on, on purpose. And they gain a certain amount of delight out of the, uh, the control that they actually have. And I think that's one of the real reasons behind the, 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 the fear in relationship to the news media. One, it sells, right? So they keep people glued to the television, et cetera. But then it's also in relationship to the government that they, they can govern through the fear and keep people. We know this with just how communism, communism has worked in all the different countries that it's ever been in. Mm. It basically governs through fear of, you know, being arrested or fear of this or what have you. And so we know that. But it's basically the same psychology that you actually see in the diabolic. So... I often tell people, they say, do you think there's this worldwide conspiracy by human beings to control the whole, everybody on the planet? And I always tell people, I don't think people are that bright. <laughs> and I don't think they're that capable yeah, either. Yeah. But I do think that Satan um, uses them. In fact, in the past, um, in the tradition of the church, they used to talk about what they called the mystical body of the Antichrist or the mystical body of Satan, which is the inversion of the mystical body of Christ. So just as Christ governs the church through grace and through the magisterium, but also through grace and through inspirations, the demons do the inversion of that in relationship to those people. So I think it's wow. more a case of the demons are really the kind of the brains behind it and orchestrating it and some, somewhat of the motive force behind it. Um, but I think that there's some people who are willingly involved with it, but I think that's a small percentage. Okay. I think most of the people that are involved with it um, are just clueless, basically. So, so when I see this, these problems in the world, these problems within the church, yeah. um, and I see that human beings, uh, whether, whether willfully, knowingly or not, right. do present a threat to things that I love, right. um, how do I not then fixate? Because I know the devil wants me to fix it with an unhealthy attachment, That's even right. to things that, of the church that come from God, who I love so much. That's right. But, but there's, a, there's a line between a healthy love and an attachment that leads to fear, that leads to hate. Or uh, as I think Yoda said something profound like that. <laughs> fear leads to the dark side. Right. Leads, fear leads to, to hate. Leads, you know. Right. How do right. I break that cycle in myself? when it's, there's so much of this stuff coming at us all the time. And I, and I know the devil wants me to like look at nothing but that on my phone. That's right. Well, I think the principal way that, they, that the demons actually drive it, and it's actually part of human psychology, is St. Thomas says that all our emotions arise out of the emotion of love. St. John of the Cross, St. John, it is. Because if I love something, so for example, if a parent, he loves his child and, 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 and he's on a football field and one of the other players comes and tackles him, he gets mad at the other kid because of his love for that child, right? Yeah. And so... Um, so anger would come from love in that yeah, situation. That's right. And even fear, because even in the case of fear is there's my bodily well-being or something that I'm attached to because it's going to get hurt and so I don't want that to happen. And so there's this, the fear arises because I can't do anything about it or what have you. And so... Um, St. John of the Cross um, then says that actually another name for that is attachment, which you just mentioned. So what you have to do is you have to isolate, what am I attached to? So there's a difference between love and attachment. That's right. How, yeah. would, you, how would you define that, that difference? Well, love is willing the good of another, whereas attachment is a, fixa a fixedness on a particular good. Wow. So it's an unwillingness to kind of let loose of it. Like real goods. Like real goods. Like goods yeah. of the sacredness within the church is a real good thing, but if I'm That's fixated right. on it in an unhealthy, even that I have to be like, Lord, it's yours. That's right. In fact, that's why John of the Cross says that ultimately the only thing that you can be attached to is God. 
He said, not even religious and, and sacred things, those are purely means to God. God is the only thing to which we can ultimately have our attachment to. And so even those people who go through certain um, stages in the spiritual life, go through periods of, especially in the passive purification or purgation, they get stripped of all those attachments. And I think that like, for example, in two, two examples, I think that um, took me a while to even process myself was, I had to become detached from the state of the church. Wow. Because it's the state, I, I want the church to be healthy and vibrant. You know, but a lot of it was for selfish reasons. It's healing to even hear those words. Yeah. I, you know, this is my, my job and I obsess on these right. things. And it's like, I just gotta, this is the Lord's, man. That's right, exactly. And Christ has already said, the church is indefectible. It's not, the, of gate, the gates of hell aren't gonna prevail against it. We already know that it's, the church is gonna be okay, but we just have to be willing to allow the church to go through this or the members of the church to go through these things for what Christ intends. The other part that I also had to be detached from is the state of our country. This is not our final fatherland. Mm. Heaven is. And so I realized, okay, this, I came to the point, this is just a means. I have to be detached from it, if for no other reason than my own sanity. And this is yeah. the real issue about the demons driving fear. What they really want to do is they, wanna, they, they just want to take you down and drive you crazy through being obsessed about it or, or um, overly concerned about it. Mm. They want to make us obsessed and hate-filled just like they are. Exactly. This, this scripture came to mind, Matthew 24, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So we see all these bad things happen. You think, well, yeah. you know, you're, you're attacking something I'm attached to that's an actual good. Yeah. So then my love grows cold, but the Lord's that's like, right. no, 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 stand firm to the end, which means don't get that way. Just let, let go. Yeah, there's a, there's a, I can't remember if it's exactly that passage, but uh, in the Greek and also in the Latin, it says, um, the charity of many, men will become lovers of pleasure and charity will grow cold. Wow. Which we see today. Wow. Okay, so to bring this full circle back to the, this, this is a, a very personal battle. When you're, when you're battling fear, you're also battling powers of hell that want to bring you down and manipulate your emotions, work on human emotions, That's right? right? Um, so while working on, on some of these things on a natural level, it also can't hurt to just say, look, I don't know if there's a demonic presence involved in the thing I'm obsessing on or with fear. Um, and I don't want to obsess on that possibility, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but how do you, without obsessing on it, how, how does a Christian pray a deliverance prayer? How do, how do you pray against and push back in the darkness directly. Give him a nice direct punch to the face. You see that painting of Mary? Punch. My sister redid this one, of Mary punching the yeah. devil in the face. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, it's kind of interesting you mentioned that because uh, in almost every single person who's possessed, it's the back of their neck that is super sensitive. It took me a while to get it out of one demon. He said, well, that's where our lady puts her heel when she's crushing your head. Dang! Yeah, so... Um, Had some shells just now? <laughs> Holy shells! <laughs> That's cool. Um, but the primary way that you do it is, um, I mean, indirectly you can do things like building a virtue and things like that, but the primary direct way that you do it is a binding prayer, or even Christ gave us the example, Satan, get behind me. So just rebu uh, rebuking him will uh, go a long ways. Um, if you're looking for long-term help in a particular area because you're struggling with it, then consecrating that specific area, the very speci specific nature of the problem. So it's sometimes knowing the nature of your fear can be helpful in mm. consecrating that because that'll go a long ways so to... Naming it very specifically. That's right. And that's the same with psychological healing. It's like you have to, you have to get clarity around what's that's the right. problem. There's also another thing that I kind of discovered in one case. I call it disappropriation. See, the demons put stuff in your head because they want you to think it's your own. 
They want you to appropriate it and so that you think, man, what's wrong with me that I'm afraid or I'm this or I'm that or, you know, what kind of a guy has these kinds of temptations type wow. of thing when in point they want you to appropriate it thinking there's something wrong with you because then they're fighting you on, a, on, different, on different fronts. So what I began to realize is, is that, no, what, when they put that stuff in your hand, they already have to will it to put it in your head beforehand. So they're the ones that are actually guilty of it. Wow. So what I do is I just tell people, you know, when you have that kind of a temptation, sometimes just turning to the demon that's afflicting you and saying, this is your problem, not mine. Wow. And it will shut off. Give them a smackdown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's something really beautiful about that too, whether it's, uh, you know, any, any weakness we're struggling with on a yeah. natural level or in the supernatural to say, this is something I'm dealing with. This is not the definition of who I am as a child of God. That's right. That's and exactly, and I, yeah. I can have a healthy distance from it. And I'm working on this. And my, my heavenly father loves me. That's right. And he's, and he's helped me uh, come through this. Yeah. Uh, I'm so grateful for the, the work you do in, in, in deliverance. Oh, yeah. It's not my chosen work, but I'm happy to do it. Yeah. So a, a simple prayers like get behind me, Satan, yeah. or uh, anything else you want to leave us with, with, with just, things which we should pray? Just, uh, just the binding prayers, which we've talked about in the past. Just yeah, the give, give, give them a sample of a binding prayer. So an example of a binding prayer would be um, by the power of the precious blood, which is the one that almost all exorcists say you should start it with. So by the power of the precious blood, um, by the holy name of Jesus, because he said, by my name you'll cast out demons. Um, you can also put in things like, um, by the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, St. Michael, etc. Um, I command the demon of, and then you name the, the, the problem that you're having, so it's fear. I, I command the demon of fear to um, stop afflicting me, go to the foot of the cross, because ultimately they're Christ's slaves, so he determines what their disposition is. Um, go to the foot of the cross to receive your sentence. And if you do something as simple as that, a lot of times people will find it will just shut off. Wow. Christian, you have real power in the spiritual realm, and you should use it. Yeah. Amen? Do you want to say something? Can you ask him one question? Yeah, yeah, actually, I was thinking that. Does someone have a question? Go ahead. Just one question. Is, is, um, is there ever a case where we kind of blame everything on the devil? I was just thinking of James where it says, when a man is tempted, he's tempted by his own evil desire, and when it bears right. fruit, kind of remember that passage. Just, just curious. So, so, yeah, so is it possible to blame too much on the devil, to attribute too many things that are from us on spiritual warfare? Well, it's actually, yeah, actually, that's the real, that's, actually, it's both ends, because it, sometimes things are entirely diabolic. So, for example, I'm working with a woman right now who, um, when she goes through what we call the periods of crisis where the demons are attacking her because she's possessed, she really struggles. But then once you, once he, they stop attacking, you get him out of her hair, she is totally normal, totally rational, very balanced, actually happy, right? Very peaceful. So sometimes it's entirely diabolic. Sometimes it's entirely psychological or your own problems, right? And you want to blame the devil. Sometimes it's a mixture of both because they'll take advantage of our own defects in order to attack us and, and make hay out of it and to empower themselves. But I often tell people, do the disappropriation or also do the um, binding prayer. And if you notice a shift, so if it gets better or it shuts off, then you know there's a spiritual component. If it remains the same, then you know it's a natural thing that you're dealing with. Awesome. You. Give us a blessing. Yes. Benedicto Dei Omnipotentis, Patris et Filii, et Spiritus Sancti, Descendit Supervos, et Maniat Semper. Amen. Amen.
Hey, thanks so much for watching, guys. Be sure to like, subscribe, share this with everybody you know, and be sure to jump off the sidelines and into the game. Go to reallifecatholic.com. Become a missionary of joy today. It's one of our monthly donors to access all of our programs. And again, you can see this whole program, Fearless, by going to reallifecatholic.com forward slash fearless. And that's in the show notes. I love you guys. We'll see you next time.